Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Don't change the channel off by flipping around. You're about to see the hottest show in town. The biggest stars and the biggest brawls. The biggest hits and the biggest balls. Non-stop action, no messing around. Pretty soon they're coming to your town. The way you like it, way it used to be. Smoky Mountain Championship Wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Tammy Cam. And I am Chris Shandido. Welcome to episode 135, MWA SMW World Heavyweight Title Tournament. Woo! We're going to Cherry Hill, guys. It's a mouthful. Wherever that is. SM... S- Smoky Mountain Wrestling. <laughs> Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Cherry Hills and Jersey, man. So this World Tide Tournament was produced by the NWA and SMW, a.k.a. Smoky Mountain Wrestling. It was held on November 19, 1994 at the National Guard Armory in Cherry Hills, New Jersey. Hell yeah. So it's not quite a bingo hall. Not quite. Not quite. But it's pretty dang close. It might look more bingo hall. So basically this show... We, we saw a few weeks ago Shane Douglas throwing down the NWA title belt. After that, NWA president Dennis Coraluzzo would then team up with Smoky Mountain Wrestling owner Jim Cornette to hold another tournament, making Smoky Mountain Wrestling the premier NWA affiliate at that time. Weird. NWA <laughs> is struggling, and that's why... They're all the way with Smoky Mountain River, which is basically the fourth promotion in the U.S. at this point. Yeah, Smoky Mountain is Jim Cornette running his own television show and building up talent and trying to do wrestling his way. This isn't quite Smoky Mountain show, not quite NWA show. Yeah. It's kind of a it's just kind a, of a kind of a Paul show. Paulie can do it, then fuck you, so can I. Yeah, yeah. There's some <laughs> Paulie in this too. <laughs> But we're in a new place, New Jersey. Is this our first Jersey trip? It might be. I I'm don't trying know. to remember. I don't even remember either. Yes, we are in Jersey. We are not in Philly. I repeat, we are not in Philly. We're uh, right down the street. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're in Jersey, and I was looking up some stuff of what the hell do people in Jersey eat, and I found a couple interesting sandwich options. The bulk of them seem to be. Stuff piled on more stuff, put between bread with more stuff and more bread. So I decided to go with the. Uh, that all sounds delicious, right? Mm-hmm. There was one. I'll if we're ever back in Jersey, uh, which I'm sure we will be. I'll have to make it. I don't remember what the hell it was called, but it was like it was like an appetizer just stuffed into a sandwich. Uh, there was <laughs> stuffed chicken strips. into a turkey, stuffed into a duck, stuffed mm-hmm. into yeah. a yeah. giraffe, it, stuffed it into an stuffing. elephant. Makes me think of the. Uh, 30 Rock thing where it's like you take a you take a hot dog, dog put it in a pizza, right. load it with some jack cheese. Yeah. You got cheesy blasters. You or got however it, the hell it goes. You yeah. got it. Yeah. Close <laughs> enough. It has all those ingredients. It's much like the uh, the Philly taco mm-hmm. that uh, that we had last time. But no, this is the Sloppy Joe. Only this is the New Jersey Sloppy Joe. 
the majority of people. It's not really sloppy or Jewish. Um, I'm assuming at the restaurant because the video that they showed them eating it, I mean, it's loaded up with a whole lot more oh, okay. shit on there. Yeah, they have more slaw, more sauce. I made what I thought was going to be enough following the recipe that I found. And like meat-wise, there was enough on there. But the slop, not so much, which I'm okay with because, I mean, it's, it's, still it's not as sloppy. delicious. But yeah, the uh, New Jersey Sloppy Joe, it is not your typical Sloppy Joe. Your typical Sloppy Joe is like ground meat or mystery meat, something like that, in a tomato-y sauce served on a bun. And this is anything but that. This is more kind of like a, uh, a Reuben meets a Cuban and then stacked on top of each other. This has sliced roast beef, sliced turkey, a uh, homemade slaw, and a homemade Russian dressing, Swiss cheese, all layered between rye bread, three pieces of rye bread. There's a little butter on there to uh, help keep the sauce from soaking into the bread and to help keep the uh, bread to stick to the cheese so that it cuts a little easier and stays a little nice and neat. But yeah, not your uh, your typical Jersey, or your typical Jersey, your typical Sloppy Joe. The origins of the New Jersey Sloppy Joe, apparently there was a, uh, a bar in Havana that somebody named Thomas Sweeney had gone to on vacation uh he ended up at this restaurant and they served this sandwich and he decided to bring it back to new jersey because it was that good uh back in like the 1930s grew to fame at the town hall deli in south orange new jersey and yeah it's really for being a, a first time made sandwich you know the the history of the sandwich apparently they take the slaw and they soak it for three days let it dry for three days so it absorbs all this flavor and then loses all of its moisture but i mean for a three-hour slaw this ain't bad i just wish there was no, a more of this it. is a uh, very very good it's kind of like a it's like a less heavy tasting ribbon yeah. so yeah. like still a shitload of food here but it's a little bit lighter definitely lighter in flavor in flavor it doesn't feel like a like a reuben feels like is has the weight of like a cheeseburger yeah. and this quite doesn't have that weight this like, feels more like eating a club sandwich with the flavor of a reuben if you've ever had a reuben and you've ever had a rachel this is more on the rachel side just because the turkey as opposed to the pastrami yep. definitely lightens it up a lot but it still packs some flavor very good mm-hmm. well something that happened right around the same time as this tournament crazy sexy cool mm-hmm. the second album from tlc was released earlier in the week and has sold more than 14 million copies worldwide, containing the tracks such as Creep, Yeah, Waterfalls, Don't Go Chasing, and Red Light Special. All through the night. It also has a uh, digging on you. It has that sexy little interlude in the middle where it ends <laughs> up being her just talking dirty while she's taking a shit on the toilet. <laughs> it's uh, great. As far as... I'd say Shane's a fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You could say that. I never had a TLC record, but of Waterfalls, incredible song, a bit overplayed at this point. I would say of the TLC singles, Creep is my favorite. Creep is I one love of my Creep. favorites. Red Light Special, I think, still holds the, at least on this album, the my, my ultimate favorite. And it's mostly because seeing them perform that one live in concert was, was kick-ass. Because, I mean, they basically put on a... A lap dance strip tease on stage. Uh, I was lucky enough not to be the one that got the lap dance strip tease. Uh, when I went to the 
the concert in August of 1995. It, uh, I won backstage passes, so I got to hang out with them for a good half hour or more before the show started. Monica was their opening act. So oh, damn. Brand new Monica. I got to see some cool bands in the 90s. I had, uh, I mentioned it on the last one, uh, Boys to Men, which Brandy yeah. opened for them. Then this one, TLC with Monica. Um, yeah. Much like with Boys to Men in the 90s, TLC in the 90s, the music scene would have been totally different had those crazy, sexy, cool chicks not got together. Yeah, rest in peace, left eye. That's for right. sure. We're rolling up. 20 years for her, too. <laughs> I know. Rest <laughs> in peace, left eye and Aaliyah. TLC is awesome. I wasn't as much a fan of fan mail. The album Dude, that came after. you know what song is... No Scrubs I do not. too much. It's too much. I don't care for the... And I don't the think the song was good. The written by a fucking real housewife of Atlanta just it, makes me hate it even more. It wasn't that good in the first place. God damn it. <laughs> but, like, yeah, you know, whatever. Good for them for getting the hit, but I'm just tired of hearing it. Just play me some Creep. I just remember all these the music videos. That's that's basically how I heard TLC because yeah. I, I didn't have the album either. Me but neither. Literally, TRL every day was like one of these songs that felt like it was on there. Yeah, and their videos going from the first album, you know, "Ooh" on the TLC tip to this one was, you know, total night and day because kind of like Voice of Man, where they went from that kind of funk sound to nothing but all these ballads and yeah sexiness it was a, a total total change if you want something to watch something completely upsetting i would say load up the video for the song unpretty wildly yeah. upsetting music video and wildly upsetting song I mean, if you want by tlc even more upsetting watch their little reality show thing that they oh, had no. like a decade oh, or no. 15 years ago whatever it was oh, where they no. were trying to do a like a summer tour, mm. uh, they were looking for a, a new left eye, basically. Oh no, I don't want to see that. Yeah, it was not horrible. very. Yeah, it, it sounds horrible. It was like on the WB or something like oh, that. Oh my gosh! And, yeah, it only gets worse. Not that good. Definitely well, fall from grace, but yeah, TLC have their moment crazy, in time. Sexy, cool. If you've never listened to it, pull it up now. I just walked out of Seven Eleven the other day, and somebody next to me was. Booming the uh, the red light special. So oh, I had to sit that's there a good feeling. Vibe for a minute. Purposely sit in the parking lot of Seven Eleven with all the freaks and geeks wandering around me, just zoning out to yeah. red light special. So it's nice to hear somebody listening to something that you appreciate. Yeah. Like, oh, there's so much music. Yeah. Well, let's see if we can chill with some freaks and geeks at this NWA <laughs> no problem Smoky <laughs> wrestling tournament. <laughs> Title screen comes on before cutting to the ring announcer, and he's announcing some dignitaries that are at the show, including Dennis Coraluzzo. Dennis then comes into the ring and takes the mic, reading off some announcements as well, before showing off the 10 pounds of gold belt that is still being used today. Did you understand anything he said? Absolutely not. Okay, making sure. There are two commentators on this show. We never see them, and I think they call themselves Tommy and the Professor. Does anyone have a better guess than I do? Nope. No. Because most of the time I couldn't tell if they were talking about wrestling or you know, talking out. about something that was happening off camera or just talking. How did I describe them to you guys the other I day? Because <laughs> I thought it was the perfect, perfect way of... It seemed like they were, it was done after the fact. 
Yeah. Like, they got the tape and then recorded it. Yeah, it was almost like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 wrestling. They did know their American wrestling pretty well, and they were not fans of ECW, (laughs) uh, which I did find entertaining. But they didn't call the show very uh, professionally. Won't it be like Wildfire, Tommy Rich, and... I'm trying to think of somebody classic NWO or NWA. Uh, Buddy Landell. I said, think two fat white Southern guys in the '90s who think they know something about wrestling, doing a Mystery Science Theater 3000 style <laughs> show while still calling a wrestling show. That's where I got it that's from. Pretty, yeah, I vaguely pretty, remembered yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's pretty close for sure. Like they yeah. know, they do know a little bit. Uh, they do know some stuff about wrestling. They know what they like. Uh, they do poke fun at ECW throughout the show. Yes. But we head off to our first match. Devin Storm versus Tracy Smothers in a first round matchup. Now Storm, you might better know him as Crowbar from WCW. I like him a whole lot better as Crowbar. Absolutely. <laughs> and we haven't seen Smothers since Wrestle War 92. Episode 69. Is that when they had that incredible tag match? That wild-eyed Southern boys? Mm-hmm. God, I love that match. A commentator says, one of them, I have no clue which one, yeah. says Devin is the next 1-2-3 kid before Storm takes the mic and cuts a heel promo, letting the crowd know how lucky they are that he is here. And the first round matchups, we're told, have a 15 minute time limit. And I still find it crazy that the guy wearing the Confederate flag is the face. <laughs> Just saying. Yep. Yeah. I still find it crazy that for the NWA's pay per view with SMW, they have a handheld fucking camera. It's not it's a pay per view. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's just a. Just, it, it is a house show. Just a house show. That someone a recorded. Guard, garage. And somehow this videotape has ended up on YouTube. Which is yeah. where we found it. Its importance lies in the fact that it's NWA. Yes. So the two lock up with no one gaining an advantage until Devin hits an arm drag, only for Tracy to come back with a fireman's carry takedown. Shoulder block, turnbuckle smash, hard Irish whip all by Smothers. Charging in, only for Storm to move out of the way, sending Tracy shoulder first into the corner and rolling to the apron to regroup. Devin goes for a slingshot of Smothers, but is reversed, sending Storm over and out to the floor, where Tracy hits a Tennessee torpedo, basically a shoulder block. (laughs) Back into the ring with Smothers headed to the top rope, coming off with a double axe handle for a two count. Tracy then telegraphs the back body drop, so Devin with a kick and a falling fist has Smothers rolling to the outside, where Storm follows out with a double axe handle off the apron. Then he goes for an acai moonsault, but it's laughable as he basically just belly flops onto the floor. It's pretty rough. Back into the ring, Devin hits a power slam. Heads up top, but he misses a moonsault, allowing Tracy to go to the top rope for a jawjacker, a top rope European uppercut, for the pin, and and the the win. And if Tracy's mother's lost, that'd be a shame. I mean, I like Devin Storm, but after he misses that moonsault to the floor, it's like, you can't have this guy win. No, no. So we go to our second match. Johnny Gunn versus Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert in a first round matchup. Johnny Gunn? So the last time we saw Johnny Gunn was in that promo package with Z-Man on Clash 21, 
episode 78. <laughs> I love that package. Where they should have been dancing to girls in cars? Yes. yes. <laughs> and the last time we saw Hot Stuff was on ECW Hardcore TV from August 24th, 1993. Episode 99. Eddie takes the mic and says the only thing to come out of Philly is steers and... Yeah, we're not going to say the rest of that line. (laughs) Gun attacks immediately, sending hot stuff to the outside to regroup. But Johnny gives chase out into the crowd where they start brawling. Some kind of weapon is used, but the camera's so far away, no clue what is being used or who is using it. Yeah, just Jesus Christ, get in the ring. They continue their way through the crowd when we finally see Gun slam Gilbert's head into a stack of chairs. Chair shot by Johnny, then back to the wide shot and shots the crowd. So we have no clue what's happening, and neither do the commentators. And that's when I looked at the TV and said, Matt, why the fuck are we watching this? (laughs) (laughs) Trash can is used by Eddie as they head back to ringside. Then nails him with something across the face, followed by a mule kick to the 44s. Hot Stuff wraps a cord around Johnny and begins to hang him over his back. Then someone comes on the mic and tells Gilbert to get back in the ring or he is out of the tournament. Gunn reverses a head smash into a guardrail, then uses the cord around Eddie's throat, choking him across the steel railing as well. Johnny uses the ring bell across the head of Hot Stuff before rolling him back into the ring, where Gunn keeps up the attack until Gilbert hits a low blow, cradling up Johnny with leverage for the pin and, and the win. win. I like it. The, I believe the commentators are like, Oh, uh, well, while they were brawling in the crowd, they're like, oh, Mabel's here. Because <laughs> there was a very large, um, you know, security card. <laughs> but that's the kind of MST3K that these guys are pulling. <laughs> so we get our third match. Al Snow Ooh. versus Chris Candido with Tammy Lynn Sitch in a first round matchup. We haven't seen Candido since ECW Hardcore TV. June 1st, 1993, episode 91. And I don't know if you guys know this, but Tammy Lynn is also better known as Sunny. And she is a WWE Hall of Famer. Most downloaded woman in the world. Once upon a time. Once upon a time. I downloaded it a few times. I did not. <laughs> I just didn't want to, and I couldn't because I didn't have a computer. <laughs> But uh, yeah. Snow looks a lot bigger than I remember Al Snow looking. Yeah, I didn't realize at first that that was Al Snow. Yeah. Like when I, I remember looking up at the TV when I first saw him there. I think that's when they first locked up, and I thought it was Z Man at first, just because I couldn't see his face, yeah. and there was just something. He looks taller buffer. than I remember Al Snow being, and he's he's pretty built. So we get back and forth action between the two to start trading arm locks, leg locks, and head locks. They begin to roll around in the ring in a lockup until they get into a shoving match. Then a slapping match, only for Snow to take Chris down with a drop toe hold. They trade waist locks back and forth with each trying for a suplex. Only for Al to just forearm Candido in the back of the head before finally getting him over with a bridging German suplex. But Chris comes right back with one of his own for a two count. Candido with several chops, which wakes Snow up to hit a backbreaker and an elbow drop, then rolls Chris over to apply a rowboat hold. Al breaks the hold and drops an elbow and starts kicking away on Candido, only for Chris to start firing back with right hands. 
Candido's running the ropes when Snow does a leapfrog. Tries for another, but doesn't get enough height, so he lands right on Chris's head. So Candido just takes Al down with a released German. Body slammed by Chris, running leg drop and stomp, followed by a vertical suplex and a second rope falling fist for a near fall. Al is uh, good and well-rounded. He's got a little bit of everything in him. Bocha, a little bit of catch, a little bit of, a little bit of, uh, you know, American wrestling, a little bit of, a little bit of Japanese style. Who knew he actually had some? Believe me, moves. I was like, Al Snow, where? Why didn't you wrestle more instead of just doing hardcore stuff? I know, for real. It's like he's got this. He's got the basics down, fucking pat, and then some. I mean, you can't have a serious wrestler walking around with a mannequin head. It just wouldn't work. I mean, Rick Steiner walked around with a hand puppet. But he wasn't a serious wrestler. You guys all <laughs> need to be quiet. Candido with the hard Irish whip into the corner. Tries for another, but Snow does a flare flip out onto the apron. Ducking a clothesline from Chris before turning to hit one of his own to force Candido out to the floor. Tammy comes around with a back rake of Al, which causes him to turn and stalk after her, allowing Chris to regroup and attack from behind. Back in the ring, Snow delivers some kicks, only for Candido to deliver a thumb to the eye, before applying a camel clutch and a leg drop. Al starts firing up to gain momentum, but Chris comes right back with a side salto suplex for a two count. Candido's wearing down Snow with a side headlock, before delivering a forearm and sending him to the corner, only for Al to stop in his tracks and turn to hit a Uranagi. Chris is up first and makes his way to the top rope, coming off with a diving headbutt, only for Snow to move in time and head up top himself. Candido gets back to his feet and knocks Al down, crotching himself on the turnbuckle, allowing Chris to climb up to the top, but Snow knocks Candido down to the mat. Al then comes off with a missile dropkick, kips up, and delivers a release German. Come on. Clothesline by Snow, a sit-out powerbomb for a near fall, followed by going for another powerbomb. But Chris counters by landing on top of Al for the pin and, and the win. win. Fucking nice finish, and Al also finishes looking strong, even in his loss. Yeah, Al looks great. It's and crazy. I'm going to go ahead and say this is the match of the night, guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we then go to our fourth match. Jerry, the King Lawler, versus Dirty White Boy in a first round matchup. Dirty White Boy is probably better known as Uncle Cletus. Every time you say that, I just want to say Dirty White Boy right after you say it. <laughs> the Godwin's fame. Oh, oh, that's who he is. Yeah. Okay. I was looking at him trying to... I knew he looked familiar, but I couldn't place who he was. I kept thinking at first that it was Dave Sullivan, hoping that it was not Dave Sullivan. <laughs> we all hope it's not Dave not, He still wants to be a Hulkamaniac. Yeah, we don't need any more Hulkamaniacs. So the king takes the mic, makes fun of the ring announcer, then is disgusted by all the ugly people in the crowd. Jim Cornette then makes his way out to ringside, taking the mic and letting everyone know he is there to offer Lawler his services. Jerry keeps looking like he's going to go after a fan, but the ref stops him every time. He's doing his best. He's doing his best stand up, for yeah, sure. Lawler? Yeah, Lawler. Yeah. I mean, that's his kind of his thing, but he's doing, uh, you know, 
do something different with your hair. <laughs> Maybe wash it. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. He's like doing the Sesame Street version of fuck. Why can't I think of his name? George Carlin. No. Hickory Dickory Dock. Andrew Dice Clay. Andrew Dice Clay. He's doing like clean clay. Is there such a thing as clean clay? No, but okay. Jerry's trying. Now there is maybe, but no. The king takes the boy to a corner and tries for a roundhouse ride, only for Dirty White Boy to duck and deliver his own, followed by a back body drop to send Lawler out to the floor to regroup. Back in the ring, we get Burger King chants starting up, forcing Jerry to take the mic to tell him to shut up or he is leaving. So, of course, they keep it up. We get another back body drop by the boy, and Cornette leaps up onto the apron, only for Dirty White Boy to go after him. So Jim jumps down and hides behind the timekeeper. All of a sudden, a We Want Doink chant starts. Mm-hmm. As they lock up again, with Lawler trying for a hip toss, only for the boy to hold onto the ropes to block before reversing to hip toss the king. We get a test of strength. But Jerry, with a cheap shot, before applying a headlock to wear down the dirty white boy until he is just tossed off onto his tuchus. The king continues to complain to the ref after every little thing that the boy does. He wants a real ref. When Cornette calls down another ref to get into the ring to take over. So the original ref, Mark Curtis, who we'll see over time as he ends up in WCW, he won't leave, so they send the other ref to the back. I rake and body slammed by Lawler for a two count and then starts complaining the ref can't count to three, showing him how to count. He's all like, see, you go one, one two, two, three. Yeah. So then Dirty White Boy with a body slam and the ref is one, one two. two. Oh, it's a quick count. But it's just like Jerry told him to. So then the king shows him how to count once more and he's like, one, two, three. We're doing Memphis comedy, boys. Followed by Lawler hitting a body slam and a cover for a slow two count, just like Jerry had shown him. Cornette's back on the apron and takes his jacket off, and he decides he's going to be the ref, with Curtis taking Jim's place on the outside. The boy takes the king into the corner and starts delivering several right hands until Lawler crawls away and hugs Cornette, who calls for the DQ, and they start heading to the back. But then the ref actually rolls back into the ring and starts the 10 count. So Jerry rolls back in just in time. Curtis and Jim are start. They argue on the apron while the king begins grabbing something out of his tights with the entire crowd yelling about it. The ref finally turns around and asks to see Lawler's hand, but he had to place the FO in the back of his tights. They look to lock up with, when Jerry nails Dirty White Boy with the loaded right fist, knocking the boy down and the ref smells something fishy, but still he can't find anything. Dirty White Boy is back to his feet, but still wobbly, as the king begins to jab away, before a roundhouse right knocks him down. Turnbuckle smash, and more right hands by Lawler. Cornette gets involved with a racket shot. More turnbuckle smashes, snapmare, fist drop, and taunts by doing some push-ups. The boy is slammed into the corner, and Jim jumps up on the apron again, allowing Jerry to hit another FO shot to the head. Dirty White Boy finally counters a right hand to fire up with right hands of his own and a bionic elbow. Keeping up the attack when the king thumbs the eye of the ref 
before hitting a mule kick low blow to the boy. While the ref is down, Cornette jumps in the ring with Lawler holding Dirty White Boy, swinging his racket only for the boy to duck, causing Jerry to take the blow. Dirty White Boy goes after Jim with right hands as the ref calls for the DQ. 14 minutes of that comedy, guys, for a DQ. Like, this was fine for... I mean, this is a house show, and it's probably fine on a house show, but too long for tape. Unfortunately, we're watching this tape. Yep. Post-match, the king thinks he is one, raising his hand, but the ref shoves his arm down, so Lawler goes to help Cornette by hitting a racket shot to the back of the boy and starts choking him, which allows Jim to get some shots in as well. The two continue the beatdown of Dirty White Boy, going after his knee with more racket shots and elbow drops. Officials and Al Snow finally make their way down to the ring to clear it and check on the boy. But Jerry gets a few more shots in by choking the boy with a television cord and throwing a chair into the ring. Snow and the King begin to brawl around ringside with each getting several chair shots on each other. Dirty White Boy's help to the back, limping all the way to the locker room. You may have won, but he took the damage. That was only the fourth match, guys. It's the longest one. Yeah. It felt like it. <laughs> so we then go to our fifth match. Samu Nishimuri versus Lightning Lou Perez in a first round matchup. Lou's out to spotch their Strustrak. And I'm like, what, yeah, what is he doing? Yeah. What? what is he coming out to spotch for? Zero th- you know, Yeah. Yeah. I got tongue-tied. It took me, yeah. It's my turn. It took me a second to, to actually put what you were saying together there because it sounded like you were talking in front of a fan. Yeah. <laughs> there was through my THs. Having a, trouble, having a trouble. So Perez is the NWA Florida heavyweight champion at the time, and after handing his belt to the ref, Asamu grabs it and just throws it down to the mat. We get a feeling out process between the two until Asamu hits a pair of arm drags into an arm lock, followed by a massive chop, only for Perez to come back with chops of his own. And Osamu is one of the new musketeers? Is that true? I know, I'm pretty sure the commentary guys alluded to that. The only other time we've ever even heard of this guy is he was he was in the other NWA tournament, but he was the guy we didn't see. Exactly, yeah. I was, I'm aware <laughs> of that. I remember the name because I was like, oh, we didn't see him. Other than that, I know nothing about this guy. All right, cool. Yep. I, yeah, nothing. Nishimuri with a drop kick sends Lightning Lou to the floor to regroup, and once he rolls back in, Samu jumps on the attack again with a body slam and goes for a senton, only for Perez to avoid. Lightning Lou begins to work the leg of Nishimuri, but Asamu turns it into a cross arm breaker as we hit the five minute mark. Perez is complaining about air pulling before tossing Nishimuri down by his hair multiple times, only for Asamu to come right back with one of his own. So he shoves the ref, but the ref just shoves him right back. The two are back and forth with shots that feel and sound pretty stiff, followed by Lightning Lou hitting an elbow drop and a rolling neck snap. We get big right hands by Perez, but he then runs into a clothesline from Nishimuri, who begins to stomp away before working the leg with a figure four. But Lightning Lou makes the rope to break the hold. They roll out to the floor where Asamu grabs a chair and begins to whack Perez across the back. But Lightning Lou comes back with a few chair shots of his own before they roll back into the ring. Hey, ECW's down the road. 
as our commentators would uh, suggest. Our 10-minute warning is heard as Perez applies a headlock, which Nishimori escapes to go back to working the legs with a reverse leg lock. A Boston Crab and a sharpshooter, but Lightning Lou kicks his way to freedom. Clothesline by Perez, falling fist, and makes a cover, only for a two-count. He then applies a front chancery, as we have three minutes remaining. I have an idea where this might be going. Back to their feet, Nishimuri with a hard Irish whip, clothesline in the corner, and tries for a bulldog. But Lightning Lou shoves him off and follows with another falling fist. Perez locks on a sleeper with two minutes remaining. But Samu escapes with a snapmare and tries for a pile driver, only for Lightning Lou to take him down to the mat and start working the leg. Nishimuri counters into a hold of his own as we get one minute remaining. Then picking up Perez for the most dangerous powerbomb I've ever seen for I'm so, a near fall. I'm so glad that you noticed how dangerous it was because nasty fucked powerbomb is, uh, is what I wrote down. Samu looks for a dragon suplex, but Lightning Lou counters into a jackknife pin attempt for a two count. Nishimuri with a small package with 30 seconds remaining for a two count, and the two begin to just trade hands when Osamu goes for a sunset flip for a near fall as time expires. So it's a time limit draw, and neither man advances in the tournament, which is a good thing because they either didn't know how to make a tournament bracket <laughs> to or... not foreshadow this result. Because there's ten people in the first round. How does that work, guys? Yeah. Every, it every, doesn't. Yeah, every one-night tournament needs a DQ. I guess it happens here. So we go to our sixth match. Mr. Motion versus Inferno Kid with Tony Rumble. Mr. Motion. Somebody comes out to the Beastie Boys. I know that. So Inferno Kid ends up being a jobber for WWF. While Tony Rumble will actually appear on a WCW pay-per-view later in his career. And that was the guy that was on the outside in the jersey. Okay, cool. Okay. We get back and forth action to start until Motion hits a hip toss and goes for a monkey flip. Only for Inferno to block and hit a vertical suplex. Mr. Motion is kind of built. He looks pretty good. Mr. Motion comes back with a drop kick before they start tussling in the ropes. With Inferno Kid landing on top for a cover for a two count. Inferno tries for a drop kick, only for Motion to back away to avoid and pick up the attack with an elbow drop and a small package for a near fall, which sends Inferno Kid to the floor to regroup. Back into the ring, Inferno tries for a spinning heel kick, only for Mr. Motion to avoid and hit a drop kick. Motion tries for a monkey flip again, which Inferno blocks again, allowing him to hit a bridging T-bone suplex. For the pin and, and the, the win. win. It's a couple independent guys that never do anything. So Maybe one of them got on a WCW paper. Yeah? I had to look them up. Cause, yeah. there's, there's a Tony Rumble with a long time ago Taz. So we go to our seventh match. Doink the Clown versus Scotty Flamingo with TR Shock and Destiny. In a special WWF challenge match. Hmm. So this is mm-hmm. not any of the people that we've ever seen play Doink before. This is Ace Darling. 
And he actually is basically a jobber that's used in WWF and WCW over time. And the last time we saw Flamingo was at WrestleMania 10, episode 113, as Johnny Polo. Yeah, I remember Johnny Polo, and then remember not seeing Johnny Polo anymore. And the funny thing about this being a special <laughs> WWF challenge match is that neither of these guys are signed by the WWF at this point. Yeah, yeah and... Um, Scotty Flamingo was never WWF. And he's most famous for uh, the other two promotions, one of them being ECW and the other being WCW. That's where he got most of his, all of his, um, all of his glory. Even more known in TNA than <laughs> WWF. Absolutely. <laughs> so Scotty uses his power early on, shoving the clown down to the mat several times, going for a back body drop, but Doink floats over and starts biting Flamingo's ass. TR Shock jumps in the ring to yell at the ref, so the clown just starts biting his ass as well, before sliding out to chase after Destiny to get her on the booty. And by biting uh, his ass, we don't mean like, oh, he bit his face. And like he is the ass that got bit. No, it's like <laughs> actually biting their ass. Their yeah. their uh, upper booty cheek. Yep, went full bushwhacker. Scotty takes Chase around ringside and back in where he telegraphs a back body drop. So Doink hits a DDT. The clown starts chasing after Destiny again with her rolling into the ring to try to escape. Grabbing her and putting her over his knee to start spanking her. Which allows Flamingo to recover and attack from behind. They called it a WWF match, I guess, for a reason. But even like this, this is a little doink. goofy for a WWF match. Come on. I don't like this doink. Scotty with a vertical suplex for a two count. Then doink fires back with right hands. Mounted punches, only to be shoved off. So Flamingo charges in, but receives a back elbow, knocking him down. The clown then telegraphs a back body drop. So Scotty hits a DDT for the pin. And, and the, the win. win. Post-match, Doink grabs his bucket, and as he is about to throw it on Shock, we cut to our eighth match. Tracy Smothers versus Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert in a semi-final matchup. We're quick to the ring. The crowd must have been restless. Yeah, Eddie Gilbert's got the FO already, right? Eddie hits the ring and goes right after Smothers, raking the forehead with some kind of foreign object before taking him to the outside to run his head into the guardrail. Hot Stuff continues the punishment into the crowd where they have climbed onto a table to brawl, with Tracy knocking Eddie down to the floor. Gilbert slams Smothers into the table head first, and then a fire extinguisher is used somehow as it becomes smoky. Hot Stuff uses a chair before they head back into the ring, where Eddie is using something to choke Tracy, but the ref wrestles him off into a headlock. Gilbert tosses the metal steps into the ring, face-planting Smothers right on top of them. Tracy's back to his feet, but dazed, so Hot Stuff is jobbing, is jabbing away, knocking Smothers down. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, didn't everybody just job themselves out on this show? <laughs> Eddie grabs a trash bag from ringside, placing it over the head of Tracy to choke him, until the ref can intervene. Back to the floor and into the crowd they go, towards the bathrooms we are told, where they disappear as no camera is following them. Smothers is fighting back, slamming a table onto the back of Gilbert before bringing him back to the ring. Tracy with an atomic drop that sends hot stuff into the corner, bouncing back for the two to knock heads for a triple KO as it knocks the ref down as well. Ref bump. 
Another ref jumps in the ring to check on Mark Curtis while the wrestlers are back to their feet. Oh no, it was Mark Curtis that took the ref bump. He was already struggling to count. Where Eddie nails Smothers with an F.O., making the cover, but neither of the refs make the count. Curtis is back to his feet as Tracy's taken over with a back suplex as both refs make the count this time. The refs are conferring as it seems we have a double pin situation, with the second ref saying Smothers got his shoulder up in time, so he is declared the winner. Post-match, the refs continue to confer with Gilbert getting into the discussion as well, only to start chasing the second ref out as he was the one to make the call. Hot Stuff wants Mark Curtis to call him the winner, but he won't raise his hand. Controversy. This is uh, a bit, a bit much. Just a bit much. I would kind of like to note that in the last couple of shows we covered, including this one, and no post shots. Nobody gets posted. Mm-hmm. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Taking away your gimmick, man. Posted. Yeah, I got a ref bump in there. And felt like, you don't get you know. too many post shots at a house show. Typically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, may- maybe not. <laughs> They have a, a low budget, I'm guessing, so you know, want to save on any excess unnecessary injuries. No chair <laughs> like shots. A, like, like putting your hand in front of your face into a post. Yeah. <laughs> so we go to our ninth match. Chris Candido with Tammy Lynn Sitch versus Dirty White Boy in a semi-final matchup. And Dirty White Boy limps his way to the ring with tape. Covering his knee. He got the beat down, man. He got the beat down. He's got to sell the beat down. Mm, poor man. Chris Dave Sullivan. Chris just starts going after that leg, but the boy is avo- avoiding him momentarily until a shoulder block finally takes the boy down. Candido with several elbow drops across the knee, continuously working it, even applying a spinning toehold. But the boy escapes with right hands to Chris's knee. Candido comes back with a chop block, a shin breaker and another spinning toehold, only to have his eyes raked by Dirty White Boy to escape. I mean, you know, what's he going to do? He's, he's got a bum bum wheel. The boy is back to his feet, only for Chris to keep kicking it. But Dirty White Boy fires up with a big boot that knocks himself down as well, allowing Candido to head up top where the boy meets him for a superplex, only for Chris to counter to land on top for the pin and, and the win. win. Yay, fast match. It's an intelligent fast match. Yeah. So we're headed to our 10th match. The Rock and Roll Express of Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton versus the Gangsters of Mustafa Saeed and New Jack with D'Lo Brown for the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Championships. Y'all couldn't hear it, but Shane just did a pretty good D'Lo head shake. That's right. So the last time we saw Rock and Roll Express was at Survivor Series 93, episode 106. Damn, I forgot they even were on a Survivor Series. I did too, actually. (laughs) Which is upsetting, considering my love of rock and roll. So New Jack gets in the face of the announcer after he says that they are from San Francisco. Motherfucker. And we get Jack and Gibson starting us off, with New Jack missing multiple roundhouse rides. Followed by Robert hitting a sunset flip and Morton coming in with a face plant on Jack when he won't go down. New Jack with a pair of shoulder tackles on Ricky, but Morton then ducks a clothesline and rock and roll hits a double back elbow. Express with a double back elbow on Saeed now, but Mustafa starts 
using his power to work over Ricky. He's a big-ass boy. Jack with a hot shot of Morton across the ropes and starts choking him in the corner before tossing him to the floor, where Saeed doles out some more punishment before rolling Ricky back into the ring. Body slam, multiple diving headbutts on the second rope, and, no, and New Jack goes back to choking until Morton can break the momentum with an atomic drop. New Jack is the kind of guy that can do the choking because he has the energy and furiosity where it's like, oh, like he can kind of get away with just choking a guy because he actually seems scary. Yeah. And to be honest, rest in peace, New Jack, but you were a terrifying man. Yes. You made some decisions that I do not approve of in your life. One scary motherfucker. Ricky rolls to his corner for the hot tag. Gibson in with boots to everyone. Double noggin knocker, but ends up breaking it down into a Pier 6. Pier 6? Morton with an O'Connor roll on Jack as the ref is getting Robert back to his corner. So I guess he didn't see the tag? <laughs> Mustafa then grabs Ricky and tosses him over the ropes to the floor just as the ref turns around and calls for the disqualification. So Rock and Roll Express are your winners. Via DQ. I mean, you know. Seriously, the top rope thing. Ugh. It's, it's house show stuff because, I mean, it's... it's Jim Cornette. Yeah. He like that old school stuff. Yeah. yeah, and it also makes sense. It's house show and Smoky Mountain has their belts on these guys. Anyone's rock and roll. Roller went about 10 minutes too long, so they're like, okay, guys, we got to yeah. speed this up. Because this match, I wanted this match to go about another five minutes mm-hmm. and... It and then it was just like, okay, we're okay. over. Yeah, when had you got there, yeah. I had to put in a referee count lesson, we probably would have got When the hot tag this. came 50% in, you're like, okay, well, I guess it's almost over. But on the plus side, they made sure to get a hot tag because you can't have a rock and roll match without a hot tag. Because how do you have a hot tag and then have a ref not see it? <laughs> I swear he tags, and then I see the ref, and I saw the ref, like, do the motion like he saw a tag and I was just like okay cool that's why it's a hot tag and yeah. then and then all of a sudden he's like making Robert get out and I was like wait what was Mustafa doing at the time you weren't holding the rope oh, or yeah. something probably I mean I assumed it was something Mustafa may have done but I don't know who knows but what I do know is we're off to our 11th match NWA title match and the title is vacant I believe Tracy Smothers versus Chris Candido with Tammy Lynn Sitch in the finals for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. The future of the NWA Heavyweight Championship. So Tammy takes the mic and tells everyone to give respect to the future champion. And Matt Wrestling is the name of the game as we start with each evenly matched. Until a chop fest breaks out when Smothers hits a slingshot dropkick for a two count. I mean, you know, at least they're starting it off like an NWA Heavyweight match. Mm-hmm. Chris rolls to the floor where Tracy hits a swinging dropkick, but Candido comes back with a head smash into a guardrail. Back into the ring, Chris misses a clothesline, allowing Smothers to hit a super kick for a near fall. Tracy then sends Candido to the corner, charging in with an avalanche splash, only for Chris to move in time and hit a swinging neckbreaker for a two count. And and Chris is doing his crybaby Chris routine throughout the whole thing. Candido goes for a knuckle lock for more pin attempts, but Smothers makes it back to his feet to hit a leaping crescent kick for an airfall. Chris with a snap suplex for a two count. 
goes for a second one, only for Tracy to counter into a belly-to-belly suplex and following it up with a running splash. But Candido gets his knees up. Baseball slide kick by Chris to send Smothers to the floor, followed by a plancha. And Candido, Candido goes to bring Smothers back in the hard way, but is blocked and Tracy suplexes Chris over to the floor. Ooh, I mean, you know, half the time, more than half the time, you never suplex him out to the floor. No. So whenever it does happen, it's always a highlight. Smothers then hits a baseball slide kick before sending Candido into a guardrail. Back into the ring, Tracy's eyes are raked, allowing Chris to regain control with uppercuts, sending Smothers to the corner, only for him to leap up and over a charging Candido. There is something on the commentary that I did find insightful, where when they when he whips um, Tracy's Smothers whips Candido into the steel, they say "A la New Japan," and that is a New Japan trope to swing guys into the steel almost in every match and it was kind of insightful for these guys to be saying that in the 90s and i'm like okay well i guess they've just been doing this forever so yeah i thought that was kind of interesting considering i'm not as uh well versed in my 90s new japan but i'm very well aware of the whip into the steel trope of like current day New Japan. Yeah. Tracy continues by running and leaping up onto the top rope with Chris charging at the corner. So Smothers just leaps over him again and starts to run the ropes where he tries for a hurricanrana. But Candido catches him and drops Tracy with a powerbomb for a near fall. That pop-up powerbomb, baby. Chris is delivering shots across the back and face before wearing him down with a leverage-aided headlock. I, I just think that Smothers probably needed a moment after that powerbomb. Uh, yeah. The ref finally catches Candido, forcing him to break the hold. So Chris starts arguing with him, allowing Tracy to roll him up for a two count. Candido's back up with a clothesline, second rope falling fist for a two count, but Smothers comes back with a lariat and heads up top, where Chris catches him with a right hand. Candido climbs up for a Frankensteiner, making the cover for the pin... And no, Tracy kicks out. Chris goes for a second rope leg drop, but Smothers moves out of the way and hits another lariat, which has Candido reeling. Tracy's firing up with a leaping back elbow, mounted punches in the corner. All ten of them. And another leaping crescent kick, before heading up top to hit a jawjacker, making the cover. But Tammy Lynn is on the apron, arguing with the ref. Oh my god. Oh no. Smothers gets up, allowing Chris to wrap a chain around his fist, but Tracy back body drops him before going to confront Sitch. So Candido comes in with the chain wrapped fist again, which Smothers ducks and hits a back body drop, only for Chris to counter to land on top for the pin and the win. And new! Post match. Candido and Tammy Lynn Sitch celebrate like they're Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth before the announcer tells everyone to drive home safely. He literally makes safely into a three-syllable safe-y-ly. word. We then get a video package of Chris Candido defending his belt and doing promos. 
even showing Tammy and Chris together in high school, along with other shots from their yearbook, before fading to black. What a weird way to end it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, it's like the end of a movie where it's like, and this guy went on to do that. <laughs> that guy went on to do this. They even play uh, the uh, Jack and Diane tune. Yes. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay. Also, that's the same finish we just saw two matches ahead of this, where uh, he covers Dirty White Boy. Yeah. Uh, in the same fashion, where Dirty White Boy has the excuse of like his legs being beat out from underneath him, and he shifts his weight to land on top for the pin. Kind of weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to be his signature move, maybe. Yeah. Maybe this one should have finished a little differently. <laughs> so I ask you, gentlemen. What are your overall thoughts of the NWA Smoky Mountain Wrestling World title tournament? Uh, Skippable. Al Snow was wildly impressive, and the last match wasn't bad. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Man, what what the hell was our first match? Devin Storm versus Tracy Smothers. Okay, yeah, that's right. I mean, as much as... I'm I'm happy to see Tracy smothers sometimes. I was I felt a little smothered with as much as I saw of him tonight. But I mean the best I mean, Tracy smothers we've seen is him in a tag. Yeah. It was cool to see not yet what the hell is his name in Al WWE Snow. Skip. Oh. Er, oh Chris Candido. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I'm only really familiar with with him and her in in WWF, so it was cool to see them somewhere else. Yeah, before they actually got their big push. But yeah, mostly a skipping, skipping, a skippable show for yeah. me. Matt, you are a Chris Candido guy, right? I do enjoy Chris Candido. I mean, he. he no, you're he a Jerry. Did. You're a Jerry Lynn guy. I, I like both. I mean, they're yeah. they're ECW guys completely. Chris yeah. Candido, his best run was in ECW, which we'll see Sorry after enough. after basically after his WWF run, it goes to ECW and does some stuff, which is really good. This show, I kind of broke it into two different parts here. About the wrestling. I'm going to talk wrestling first. Yeah. It did drag in parts, namely Lawler, that match, just what going on, the 15-minute time limit draw, don't need it. But the two guys who I was most invested in, which is Smothers and Candido, are in the main event. And they put on a good match. So, overall, wrestling-wise, because, I mean, there's still the Al Snow match, there's some guys that are young, and they would never be on a pay-per-view quality show. No. But overall, I thought the show was decent. I think it's... I'm not going to hate on it. I think it's a fine house show with a solid main event, but it is a house show. But when we add in the quality of the video and the atrocious announcers, mm-hmm. I say don't go watch this. Nope. I would not. I would not. Uh, it is not a recommend. And you would, can't afford to have any of the doinks that have played doink. Just don't have doink. You don't really need him. Yeah, it made absolutely no sense. <laughs> None at all. They wasted all their money on Scotty Flamingo. Yeah. When you have Scotty Flamingo and you have him in a match called a WWF match, have him be a WWF character he's played, not the WCW character he played. Yeah, why isn't Doink versus Polo and they just make fun of WWF? Yeah. 
Would have been better. Or make fun of the fact that you can't have an ECW tournament without Dwayne. Or wait, was he in the ECW tournament? Or was he that a showed different up? episode? Yes. Okay, I was trying he to remember if that card. was the one. He was the wild card. Yeah. And that was the real Doink. Yeah. Good, Where, where's the smart marks at? All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. So can you find me a best moment of this show? It's over. Um, I think that uh, the well-roundedness of Al Snow and also the, like, his... I never viewed him as a large man, but he looks like a large man here doing large man stuff extremely well. And he, he because does a little... Because in WWE and w, or WWF, whatever, like, they're all large men. Yep. So yeah. Al Snow doesn't... But you put him in Next like, this, this setting against Chris Candido... Like, yeah, he looks big because Candido is not a big guy. Yeah, he yeah he's like a 5'11 or probably shorter two, than that. 5'11, 205 kind of guy. Yeah, or probably not 5'. Because, like, you know, Al Snow's probably like 6'1 or something. But Al Snow, uh, his, he did a little bit of all the things that I love, and he did them well, and he wasn't particularly showy. He was just crisp. And I was surprised and uh, intrigued by it because like I said he did he, he kind of hit a little bit of every style without going overboard and I'm basing that on like you know a fucking five minute match but it was impressive and interesting and I think that ultimately the last match for the title was kind of a like shortened lower stakes it was just kind of a like shrunk down version of something that resembled a nwa title match in the past like because it's shorter and it's obviously like not on pay-per-view it's not it's not as big as of, of a deal as it has been in the past or we would have liked it to been at this point in time but i think that they had a match that was imitating a NWA match. It wasn't imitating it. It just like it didn't have the gravitas. I mean, it's these guys' style. I yeah, mean, it's good. I mean, it's, it's, I a, it's, it's, good. A, it's a Smoky Mountain wrestling style match, is what it is. Yeah. The NWA is grasping for straws at this point. Yeah, yeah, and I think this match is good, but like this match was not meant to be seen by us or really anybody that wasn't inside that room. Yeah. And I think that what they did inside that room was really good for that last match. Best moment. I don't know. Tammy Lynn Sitch camera. Yeah. <laughs> the camera literally just lingers on her yeah. for a long I was time. Gonna, she's out there. Which I was, was going to throw her out as one just which because was funny. you get to see her before she becomes... Sunny. Sunny. And Sunny becomes the focus of w, or WWE yeah. for... I will say that, like, of all of the single night tournaments we've watched, like, Matt and I, I don't know if we've watched any single night tournaments with Shane, but early on in the... King of Rings. Okay, King of the Rings, yeah. We love... Tag team tournament. We love single night tournaments that are not (laughs) those wild Starcade ones, but, like, you know, single match, single night tournaments, I think can be incredibly entertaining and well-booked shows. Like the our wrestling classic, which we love, we, we love talk him. about all the time, or your uh, King of the Ring, where you have something as incredible as 
you know, Owen Hart. WrestleMania four. <laughs> yeah. But it ended in, you know, a picture perfect, heartwarming, make the whole audience cry and smile at the same time. Yeah, and this is easily this is the least intriguing single night tournament. Oh, definitely. Uh, and I don't know that I've seen any single night tournaments that this I is hate. Like Appalachian WrestleMania, where you just have a whole mixture of people you don't really care about. There's a couple people you know, so yeah. you you root for them a little more because you heard of them. But yeah, you you miss nothing by skipping it. I would other than uh, seeing agree. Chris Candido win the NWA title. Unless you're or like is uh, it the Smoky Mountain title. Which unless you're like it? a Lawler NWA okay. title. Cat, making sure. Yeah, unless you're like I said a, that, and then I started second guessing myself. A completist of any of the guys on the show, like if you're like, I need to see everything Candido did. I want to see anything that Cornette you're or Lawler did. Then like, stuff. then like these are then like that's kind of it. But like this is nobody's best work. How about most disappointing? That the Lawler, the Lawler batch makes absolutely no sense to me. No. I'm just like, no. it went on way too long. I'm like. Here's the thing. Dirty White Boy is the Smoky Mountain Wrestling champion. Mm-hmm. And it was a complete comedy match, and it wasn't funny. Mm-mm. No, it was it's it was kind of more of a like heat match for the crowd to yell and stuff, but like it wasn't comedy and like <laughs> it was just like it just wasn't very good. No. Another thing disappointing. The I mean I've already mentioned it. The the quality of the video the. Eddie Gilbert on these shows is not a good match when it's a stationary camera, mm-hmm. because he every match that's what he does. He's an he's an ECW guy basically, that isn't an ECW anymore. So he goes and brawls out into the crowd, and you have no clue what's happening during ninety percent of his matches. Which yep. was even a problem when he was in ECW, because the was. camera's only starting to get better there. Exactly. Other disappointing things, I mean, Devin Storm is. He's pretty new. Yeah. But that but that messed up moonsault, that was scary. <laughs> it was for scary. Him. Yeah. The power bomb that like like Sabu broke his neck on a hot shot with Benoit a couple Sabu, weeks ago. I, I felt like Sabu's fault, not Chris Benoit's but in that match, by the way. This power bomb that Nishimuri hits on Perez. If I was Perez, I'd be like kicking the shit out of Osamu when we got to the back <laughs> yeah, for that man. thing. And that's just like, you are trying to kill me yeah. with this move. Yeah, you could be upset all you want, but man, like, we're uh, working here. Yeah, the, again, I'll say Doink and Scotty Flamingo match. Lawler, Lawler, Lawler. The fact that Lawler took away from me getting more rock and roll... I mean, I don't know that. I don't know. I don't know that either. But it, but just, I, it just feels I, like that rock and roll match should have had another five minutes in it, and I mean, you figure they were probably on a running Jim Cornette show that he'd give the rock and roll, Express especially because that's like all those are four yeah. of his guys. It's not one of yeah. His those teams. are all his guys. Yeah. How about best performer of the night? I mean, I think we all agreed that we liked Al Snow yeah. the most. Be like Al's... But is it Chris Candido? Because he did win three matches. It would, you know, it's, like... it's Chris and then Al for the most like interesting, eye-opening, impressive. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, most surprising for me was Al Snow. Yeah. I was not expecting that match out of an Al Snow. What yeah, he did I wasn't was expecting everything that... that... And I wasn't expecting Al Snow at all. 
what he did was everything that I want out of a wrestler. He did yeah. some catch. He did, he, yeah, he did some, uh, like, more traditional American style. He did a tad of lucha. He did some, like, strong style or King's Road. Like, he kind of just did it all and did it well. So this tape made its way back into the hands of Vince McMahon, and that's why in the not-so-distant future we'll have... Vince McMahon has never seen Al Snow any teaming up with was not Marty Jannetty because, oh my God, look at this guy. He's great. This is good shit. He's the new Shawn Michaels. He's, yeah, he's... Put him in the new rockers. He uses less Vince drugs McMahon doesn't know what wrestling is. <laughs> he's, uh, you know, an entertainer. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Bum, bum, bum. So this Uh-oh. week... The category is Survivor. I'm a survivor. I'm not gonna sing the rest I'm of the gonna song make because it. I don't wanna. So I'm gonna give surviving. you a category. Okay. Basically, the two of you will go back and forth until one of you drops out. Okay. And the one left over will get 20 points. Oh my god, no way. <laughs> Shit. Uh-oh. If That's Michael cool. wins. If Shane wins, then it might be something else. <laughs> <It's like> four! <laughs> so your category, and we'll start with Shane since he's in the lead. He's the king. Okay. Trivia king. Is locations. Oh, oh wow. Locations. And you can't name one that the other person has already named. Okay. So are we talking specific states, as far as states, cities? countries, just states and countries that we've been to? That we have been to a show between '83 and '92. Oh, this is going to get trickier now that we're already in '94. Yeah. Damn it. Okay, I know we went to Sacramento once, <laughs> but I don't know when that was. All right, so it's not Jersey. I'm going first, right? Yep. Okay. New York. New York. We definitely went to New York. North Carolina. North Carolina. Definitely went there as well. Georgia. Michael? Uh. Is there a time limit? No, 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 no. Don't do it to me. Don't do it to me. New Jersey? New Jersey. Have we been there? Okay, I was just making sure that we've been there before. Yeah, I've been there sure. three times. It's a, it's a WWF territory for sure. Okay. California. California is a correct answer. Tennessee. You're not the only 10 I see. <laughs> it's on my list. Louisiana. Yes, we have been to Louisiana. Uh, Florida. Correct. Japan. Yes. Uh, the United Kingdom? I will give it to you. It's England. It's England, yeah. You know, British Bulldog uh, getting fired from the WWF <laughs> against Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. And uh, a pretty uh, incredible match. Mm-hmm. Um, Indiana. Yes. Texas. Correct. This is bizarrely difficult. <laughs> And I have not written down any of them. But if I say the other one, you'll just be like, oh, no, he already said that, right? 
or do I lose? It's a wrong answer if you oh, say one oh that you know it's already been said. Oh, shit. Michigan. We have been to Michigan. I have one stuck on my mind, and it might make me <laughs> lose, but I'm going to say Ohio. Ohio. We have been there. Mm-hmm. Illinois. We've been there. Hmm. Uh, Virginia? We've been to Virginia. Uh, I was like, I don't think, I don't know if we said it yet. I should have been writing this down. Maryland. Correct. There's two in my head. I'm going to go with the one, fuck. South Carolina? Wah, wah, wah. Can I ask a question? You hmm. can't. My other guess was going to be Connecticut. That would have been correct. Uh, I, will, I went with South Carolina because I was like, well, they probably hit both Carolinas at some <laughs> point. We've watched some, some, not war games, Great American Bash tours. But There was 26 answers, and you guys got 15 17. of them? Si- 17 of them. 17. 17 oh, of them. okay. The ones you guys didn't hit were Alabama, Arizona, Canada, Connecticut, Washington, D.C., Massachusetts, Capital Combat, 1990, Missouri, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Damn, I wish I would have said a Connecticut because we could have kept going. It would have been fun. But hey, it is what it is. I gambled and lost. It, it's part of the game. So Shane gains 20 points this week. <sighs> but it's still anyone's game. <laughs> It's still um, someone's game. I might just up the points next week. (laughs) This one's for 75, or whatever the gap is between us. (laughs) It's pretty big now. I just gained 13 like a week ago. Yeah, you gained 13, but then I just gained 20, and before that I got 3, so yeah. You've only upped yourself by... By nothing at this point. Yeah. Next week, Survivor Series 1994. Coming from San Antonio, Texas. I'm kind of excited. We have not <laughs> WWF'd in a minute. We have not Survivor Series in a couple no, of minutes. No, we've ECW'd, we've Smoky Mountain, we've gonna, Triple A, gonna, we've WS... I'm going to give you guys the, WCW'd. the bad news. Saying it. There's elimination matches on this one. Mm. Yep. But there's a couple single matches that are kind of fun. So. Is Dan Spivey on the show? No. Yeah. Cool. So it's already a plus in your book. Yeah. Well, I just remember those really upsetting WCW shows. I'm telling you, when Waylon Mercy shows up, you're uh, not gonna know what to do. God, those the WCW really hit a stride right before Hogan showed up. Mm-hmm. Music from this week's show is the Smoky Mountain Wrestling opening theme by the Clintons, and Suicide Blonde by NXS. Wow. Mm. Chris Candido gets Chris his music Candido. played. That's right. That's cool. I didn't know that was his tune. If you like this suicide bomb. Yeah. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast app. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, recipes, you can always hit us up on our email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H I S T O. Next. We'll talk to you next week. Later.